I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die Don't fucking do that. There, this is in, you dick. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Welcome back to The Left is Dead. We're here on a particularly historic day. Uh, this is the, the start of Trump's second term in the White House. He's and, wearing a uh, Biden suit. Yeah, and he's wearing a Biden skin suit. It's or like no, face actually, off. A- actually, yeah, exactly. That's what that's what some of the QAnon people believe. Or that that's that there are people that actually believe that there was a deal struck overnight that the the people would not be able to handle the true Great Awakening. And you know, so uh, Biden is president in name only. Trump is actually pulling the strings. But anyway, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, this is the left is dead. My name is Jake Anderson, and I am here with my co-host Jim Carrey. Hey, Jim, hello. You're chomping at the bit to say something. No, we're 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 back at. It. I'm just happy to be back at it. You know. Yeah, just yeah. No, we through the holidays there. Yeah, it's yeah. Nice to be back. I, I've been I've been slacking off, and I, I apologize for that, man. But um, yeah, we're, we've been trying to line up some guests. I do think we have some good guests that are going to be coming up in the, in the next coming weeks. But yeah, man, how are you? Uh, you know, fucking hey, what do I always say about politics, man? Nothing in my life fucking changes. Right. You know yeah. that was I was like, yeah, that was uh, part of the the spirit of my thoughts and a Facebook post I just wrote about how fucking badly my hip hurts. I just and saw the yeah you, preview. You just saw it, dude. Yeah. I mean, I I'm didn't just, get through I, it all. I, I, yet. Yeah. Dude. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wearing me down, man. I'm, I'm in chronic pain and I need physical therapy and I fucking can't get it. And it just, it just sucks, dude. Like I, I pretty much am in pain from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed and it's just wearing me down. You don't shop on the exchange. <laughs> well, I, I take Kratom to help with the pain, yeah. but you know, I, I'm, I, I'm talking about a sustainable, you know, path here. Like this is not, I'm like limping dude. Oh, at, at you, 30. Okay. Like if I don't get this, I don't get this fixed. This is going to be a problem. Move back home. <laughs> I, already, I already tried that dude I already no tried no that. move back down to arkansas and then find yourself the shadiest pain clinic in a strip mall and you'll be hooked well, up i don't really have any connections in arkansas anymore my family moved to new mexico you're talking about trying to score pills hey i'm all up for it in fact uh if you have any dark web connections let me know uh, but I'm trying, I was trying to wait until I was like 60 before I got completely addicted to painkillers, but, uh, you know, I actually I stormed the Capitol because I wanted <laughs> Rand Paul to give me his prescription pad. 
So I will. Oh yeah, I was there, but I was only for Rand Paul's prescription pad because he's been refusing to give it to me on Twitter for years. And and Rand Paul watched the insurrection and sat off to the side and said, "The deficit is too high. The deficit is too high. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares about white nationalism? We're spending too much money." Off tangent here, but one of my favorite moments from 2016 was when Rand like was debating and he's like well mr trump that would be unconstitutional and trump was just like man shut up (laughs) that was one of the best he got owned so hard by a dumbass and i actually i actually would like to see that i don't doubt that it happened but yeah that's yeah uh, it was great i think it was about like torturing terrorists and their fucking families too right Rand paul is such just like a, a foe everything he's just like he just he just says the the right things to make certain groups like him for example libertarians and conservatives but yeah he is just he is just such a just just a he's a worm i don't know i don't i didn't know it's possible to be a fake worm but he is a fake worm when he first hit the scene like and i was first introduced to him it was um he was on a rolling stone cover after winning his election and it was like a big deal that he was like wearing Birkenstocks on and like putting his feet up on the congressional desk. Like, yeah, dude, I'm just a cool Gen X guy like you. Was it, was he in Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> office putting his feet on her desk? No, this was no. just his office. Oh, okay. He didn't get a good one. Yeah. So, okay. oh, okay. Let's get into this, dude. Yeah. Because since we last talked, you know, we talked right after the Capitol shit. Right. But yeah. everything that's unfolded since then has been fucking insane. Um, we don't have, you know, I don't want to keep Roger waiting too long tonight. Our guest is uh, Roger Sanchez of the Libertarian Party in Maine, and we will get to that shortly. But um, in honor of one of our previous guests, Martin, I would like to talk about the Q cope going on right now. Right. Why, don't you, why don't you start with some of your favorite takes on this? Right. So for people who don't know exactly what you're referencing there, so Martin uh, Geddes was a, a, Q, a QAnon guy who I somehow am in friends with and, and somehow I keep talking to him. He's the only QAnon guy that I think is emotionally intelligent in some way. And I've, I've tried hard to reason with him. And um, so basically we had him on the show a couple times now, but uh you know, he he basically predicted that that uh, Biden would not be inaugurated. That there would be uh, a military intervention that that would stop that and that would, uh, you know, supplant Trump back in as, you know, basically a military installment, which is what they viewed Trump from the beginning as, is the military installing some a, a true patriot. Of course, that obviously turned out not to be true. In fact, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the military has routinely called out Trump and they made it very clear uh, that they condemned the insurrection and all that stuff. So, so it was all, you know, bullshit, and uh, for essentially. Most, for most people listening, like they'll be familiar with the scenes from the Capitol and shit. Right, right. But, and, and so, but we, Martin, we, you know, uh, before he left the last show, we, we said, hey, well, provided that 
the military does not install Trump for a second term, even though he was not reelected, will you come back on the show and, and talk about it and face the music? And um, to his credit, Martin is agreeing to come back on. He, last I talked to him, he says he wants a few months. Um, yeah. His, his rationale for that, um, well, I can't even remember what he said, but um, you know, look, I, I, I do have respect for Martin as a photographer and as a thinker. I, I think he's been um, deluded. Um, he, he, he grew up in a, a family uh, that, that was, uh, well, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to talk about yeah, his personal life. He's a cute. I don't guy. want to talk about his personal life. Yeah, but, he's a cute but, 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 guy. I mean, though. I'll I mean, just say this: he, he has experience. Uh, he has experience with cults. Um, okay. His family had experience with cults. He he's been open about this. This is not a. Right. This is not. This is not private information. He's no. he's openly spoken about this, and so it's it's been increasingly difficult for me to try and understand why he doesn't understand that this is a kind of cult. This is a new kind of cult. And um, so, yeah, so we're gonna have them back on. Hopefully I'm gonna try and get them back on sooner than not. I think Martin is a, is a smart guy. I think he's gonna pivot. That, that's, what, that's really what he needs three months for is uh, all the QAnon people, they're, they're all, you know, a lot of them are in shock. Some of them knew this was gonna happen, but they're all trying to pivot right now. But and yeah, go ahead. Go that's, ahead. Well, that's what I wanna spend a few minutes on is the pivot. What exactly? Because obviously it's a broad movement. Q, surprisingly, brave super soldier he is, has not posted since December. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, there, there's a couple couple different things here. So uh, one, I I would I, I would say the short term pivot is uh, the the truly devoted people have, and and we might be able to. Uh, post a, a clip of this, but there, there is a clip going around of, of people saying that basically this is a, a Q belief or at least one QAnon belief. Yeah, is, it, it doesn't what, represent anything, any whole. Right, but 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 that uh, what we saw over the weekend essentially was a soft coup, which is <laughs> uh, no 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 no. So so they they're saying that Biden is serving in name only, and that what they're saying is that uh, the 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 patriots believe that people were not ready for the Great Awakening. So they're letting Biden serve as a temporary placeholder, but but Trump is still pulling the strings. So Trump is still actually in charge from behind the scenes, but Biden is actually under arrest. Obama is under arrest. Hillary Clinton is under arrest. They're the all Pope. under arrest. The Pope, the Pope has been Pope, arrested, the, the, ladies the, and gentlemen. Yeah, the, the Pope is on house arrest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he in, was in, already. In the Vatican, yeah. So. <laughs> these, these are the kinds of short-term delusions we're talking about. And I, we, we talked about the psychology of this. Long-term, I don't know what the great pivot is going to be. My guess is that they're, they're, they're going to find the next heir to this conspiracy theory. I, I, I have no faith whatsoever that this conspiracy theory will end. No. Because, because this, is, this is more of a religion and a cult than it is a political belief. 
Yeah, it won't go away. Even if like, even if Trump is gone, the idea of like Democrats being like satanic pedophiles doesn't just wipe from memory. You know what I mean? No, because that's that's the first thing I think of when I think of Obama is, you know, a pedophile. I think he ate a dog. Like, like <laughs> that's true too. So he can't sue me. Like probably the most. I mean regardless of what you think of his policy, probably the most like committed husband that's been in the White House. Well, I know Bush was pretty committed too. I don't know. Look, I, 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 I'm so tired of talking about the, um, the motives of people I don't know, the motives of people in power. And, and this, I, I really feel like we're losing track of like what actually matters. I'm just enjoying like watching yeah. some of the psychosis. Like, oh um, yeah, no, I'm one, enjoying One rumor now is that like, you know, Pelosi's PowerPoint laptop that got stolen. And like this right. lady's accused of trying to sell it to the Russians. But the Q narrative uh, among some of them is that she actually handed it over to a special ops team in the Capitol. And right. now it's like, I guess, in the hands of the white hats at the DOJ. Yeah, the white hats. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they've been saying this for four years and it's like at a certain point, this, this is, it was laughable for a while, but now I'm frankly kind of sick of it and my hip hurts. And I don't give a fuck anymore. Like I just want, and I don't give a fuck conversely about uh, going all, I mean, like I want universal healthcare, but I also just want, fuck I want to be able to see a goddamn doctor right now, dude. Well, yeah. Like, does that, does that make sense though? I mean, like, no, I no, know. that's you we're, and fucking millions of other Americans. We're, we're on the same page about like, we believe there should be absolutely nationalized healthcare. But right now, like, I'm in a shitty position and like, there's no, I don't, there's no end to it. And it's just like, it sucks, dude. I don't know. You think Biden will do something about that though? Well, um, I, I, I don't think it's going to be an ultimate solution, but here's what I'll say. I do think he's going to end the pandemic to the point where people can see doctors. And I do think that he is going to, uh, I think what's going to happen, and, and we've talked about this before, um, I, I think the, the natural fallout from the pandemic is going to be, I think it's going to to make healthcare uh, more affordable. I think it's gonna, I, I think the, I think there's gonna be a universal rollout of the vaccine. And um, I think ultimately that is going to show people that there can be nationalized healthcare and that ultimately uh, when, when, when rallied for a common cause, it can be a good thing. Now, whether the people in control are going to stand up to the healthcare companies and say, you know, fuck you and your profits, when their profits are bankrolling some of their campaigns, I, I don't know if, if that is going to happen. But I, I do think that, I, I do think there is a, a long-term 
silver lining to the pandemic, which is I think it's going to normalize the idea of, 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 of that. And I know you don't agree with me, and that's and 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 no, I just want to state my position on it. Okay, I just want to make sure it's clear, like what I think. Um, I think that starting with quite, I want to list like three instances in particular, but starting with the COVID vaccine, my prediction is that the rollout will look a lot more like Andrew Cuomo's in New York, which has resulted in vaccines going to waste for hospitals trying to avoid fines for line jumpers or whatever. Two, the student loan forgiveness. Immediately, the Democratic Party negotiated themselves down from $50,000 to $10,000. C or three, whatever number or letter system I was using, is the... Um, shit, where was I? <laughs> Uh, oh, well, hey, no, no, no. Sorry. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, okay. It's the um, fuck. there's the student loans. There's the virus. Oh, the the relief oh, check. Cuomo student loans. The relief checks. Yeah. Okay. The relief check idea of even after the 600 Trump and Bernie were pushing for 2000. And Biden immediately negotiated himself down and said, like, Oh, we'll give you the remainder of the two thousand. Right. No, I get that, and and that sucks. Um, Those are quickly, red flags to me. And then, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, quickly, uh, just to counter those, um, Cuomo uh, is 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 massively quagmired and held back by the federal government. So uh, while I'm not a huge fan of Cuomo at all, right. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's fair to to judge him based on. The, the federal response to this has been atrocious. And you're talking about a, a federal uh, administration that is uh, essentially just basically said they don't give a fuck. Listen, they, they dumped it all on the states from the very beginning. They dumped everything on the states and the states don't have the resources for this, dude. The, the states have never had the resources for this. Cuomo did do something completely within his power, which was requiring vaccines only be available at hospitals you will be the hospital will be fined a hundred thousand dollars for every line jumper or any like damage to the vaccine these hospitals are facing huge fines through like um a meritocratic quote unquote system where they have to choose between the hospital being fined or refusing to vaccinate people and yeah, it's, that it's, it's, is a decision. That's a decision straight from Cuomo's office. Yeah, it, that it is Cuomo's like a, distribution it, plan. It, it sounds like a state budget and a hospital, uh, a, a hospital budget that are in desperate straits to me. Just that's what vaccinate. Fuck. They, they don't jumping. have the vaccinations. How, if how somebody's they, there and they want it, fuck how, the how, line how, jumping. How can shit. they? Just how give how it can to they? Them. How can they administer? How can they administer the vaccines when they don't fucking have them, dude? Even when they do have them, Cuomo has said he will fine you if he determines, you know, if the state determines you're giving a vaccine okay, to a they, line jumper. They, they, now, they hang on. Let me finish. Okay. Because right. I'm going to tell, tell you this. A lot of people don't want this fucking vaccine. And if you're going to say you can't give it to someone who isn't in, you know, group B, which is being vaccinated right now, I, I'm sorry. In reality, that means vaccines in the trash. 
I would rather even a fucking line jumper get this vaccine. I don't want it. But if a line jumper wants the fucking vaccine and there's nobody else there to take it and choice C is chuck it out because they don't have a long shelf life. I, okay, well, yeah, yeah. Throwing out vaccines is inexcusable and that's ridiculous. I, 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 would, be, I, I would be interested in, in showing definitive proof that Cuomo, much, much less hospital administrators were throwing out vaccines. I, I'm not sure that that is, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure with, without adequate reporting, I'm not sure you, that you can credibly say that people were throwing out vaccines. This man. is what the policy is going to encourage though. There's okay, not but enough the policy under Trump, things. the policy when there's a defense production act invoked where no. trillions, trillions of dollars are going to be flowing into the states. That's the problem, dude. Look, is there going to be a meritocracy? Absolutely. Is there going to be a capitalist motive to it? Yes. I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. I'm saying that we, if we can spend trillions of dollars a year on, on war and bailing out corporations, we can spend trillions of dollars on a pandemic and healthcare, and that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be perfect. I completely, but- I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I just believe that you have to remember the Democrats can do just as much damage trying to help as they do when they're useless. Okay, I, I'm not. I, that that seems like a weird tautology there, but I, I, I don't want to go into that. But but I mean, we we have a lot to say here. I only got to the first one of your points. But um, I, I do think we have a guest that's waiting to talk to us. He's, we have two minutes, but either way. Um, okay, well, I have to pee. Yeah, we'll cut it here, and we'll be back on the other side with Roger Sanchez of the Libertarian Party of Maine. The rest of us pay their way. Patriots are under attack just for having their say. While I'm riding down Freedom Road, agents on my tail. You wave a flag on Christmas Day, they'll throw you in jail. Hey, oh, na, 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 na. this country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's a place for you and me. Oh, na, 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 na. It's only a matter of time till we get things back on track. Welcome back to part two, I guess, segment two, what the fuck ever of the left is dead. We are joined tonight by Roger Sanchez um, of the Libertarian Party of Maine and also the host of the Echo Chamber podcast, which I appeared on uh, earlier this, well, before the weekend. So um, Roger and I got to know each other uh and first off, it's good to have you back, Roger. It's good to be with you again. I like doing these shows with you. Yeah, no, this is like you said, this is fun. Um, I appreciate your position and your and again, and on every show, I'll, I'll mention it. I love the fact that you're willing to talk to other people. Um, I, I want to get a debate with you and like a green, so that way I can see you go throughout like the Ooh. entire political spectrum. That would be fun. I but love- I, I highly appreciate that. So it's good to be here. Yeah, I'll tear apart a green. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we we first met just kind of thrown into a fucking shit show on Milo's show, um, which I guess was a debate. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was expecting to debate you, and um, <laughs> I, ha I was supposed to be debating Milo. You know, I mean, that's what I should have been doing. So, yeah, I completely prepared for that for that wrong. He ripped me apart, dude. I was not ready for the Milo experience. And um, he got under my skin. There's a part uh, where he called me a coward, and I just didn't yeah. have my mind on right. He really pissed me off. But that's oh kind of cool. You know what I mean? Oh, that's man. what he does. I, I cannot wait to hear this, man. But that, yeah, <laughs> it, that, that sounds intense. Man. Yeah, and we'll definitely include a show in the future with some of the clips from it you know nobody tell so right but yeah um yeah so that was a fucking circus and yeah obviously milo hated you way more than he did me <laughs> i which i was surprised by i i think he was confused because uh, like he tried to pin me on like gender studies and shit which you can't do but still he definitely is like much more anti-libertarian and then i did uh your show the other day which I it's on our Facebook page and everything. I recommend people go watch that where we debated uh, whether libertarianism or communism is better for workers, which my audience is probably laughing right now, <laughs> but I thought that was a good debate. Um, you know, and I think this will be a nice place to kind of revisit some of that stuff because sure. in, the, in the strict debate format, you know, there wasn't a chance where it was like when we were giving answers back and forth, it, it, it's hard to get when you hear something, it's hard to bring that back out, you know, mm -hmm. especially when question time is done. So I want to dive a bit back more into uh, some of that stuff. And I also want to talk, you know, on, when we were on Milo, we agreed on quite a few things with mm -hmm. each other, which, you know, Milo kind of brushed over because God forbid any of us get together. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to say like, what, first off, what's your role in the Libertarian Party? Well, uh, it started, I, I was a county chair uh, for a while. And um, then I moved out, I was the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Maine for a little bit. Uh, had I was just going really hard and uh, had some children so just decided, you know, family first, I'm going to step back. So I, I'm involved. I know all of the people in it. I mean, the Libertarian Party is definitely um, <laughs> a small, small world, you know what I mean, as far as officers go. So I'm still involved. I mean, I, I know all the people and a little influential there, but I, don't, I no longer hold an official position. Uh, but I was okay. a county chair, and then I was the vice chair for the state. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, you host your show. And I, I look at it. Is it typically a debate format like that? Yeah, okay. here's, here's why, and here's why I got to that. I was doing just a, a regular show before, which was uh, called Decentralized Now, um, kind of a libertarian slap to democ democracy now. And it was just your general, hey, now. yeah. It was just this, you know, I'm gonna do a show once a week with my friend and we'll we'll talk. And I, I don't know about the the left. I, I probably need to watch or listen to more leftist podcasts. I mean, I just, I just don't. Um, but there's so much libertarian content out there like that, that I didn't, and other people can do just such a much yeah. better job than me. I wanted to do a show where it wasn't about my ideas. It was just about ideas in general. And as a libertarian, I'm, you know, free speech is something I'm very passionate about. So I wanted to find like, let's get the hippies and the Nazis in the room and just see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like that. Cause I think there's a big push to, to silence speech. I mean, here in America, it's done mostly through the private, the private sector. It's a little bit different. 
And uh, I'm just very concerned with that. And, and also, I mean, I, I apologize for maybe going on a rant, but this is something I'm very passionate about. The whole idea of echo chamber, people spend so much time on social media and it's designed to just give you back more of what you like. You know what I mean? It, it gets your data right. and it feeds you back your own opinions. I think that's dangerous as a society because you're not interacting with the other group and then you begin demonizing people who think you know, differently. So I'd, I'd like to to break that mold. So yeah, I really wanted to do a show that was a debate show uh, to just get different audiences together and to kind of see that that conflict of ideas. It is a good format and you're still miles ahead of uh, the libertarian videos that are three hours long of a static image. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. doing much better than them. Um, yeah. So, it, okay. You describe yourself as, uh, you know, this is an interesting part to me. You describe yourself as a classical liberal. Right. And Correct. I tend towards some classical liberalism, but not your kind. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say uh, French kind. Okay. So it's a little bit different. But I'd like to just kind of, you know, like you said, there's a huge, you know, vast stripe of libertarians. Mm -hmm. You don't know what someone means when they just tell you I'm a libertarian. So, I mean, what are you like, would you consider yourself like small R Republican? And what are some of your like core beliefs of how like a government this size should run? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the government exists or should exist uh, to basically serve as a referee to uphold the rights of the individual. Um, and I think that that was the nobody the, likes the mods, Roger. <laughs> right. You know, so that's that's how I see the state. You know, I, I don't think the state is very efficient at helping people or providing them happiness. I think that's best done organically. Um, but there have there have people. My anthropology is that people are self interested, and they are abusive. So there has to be a third party referee, this thing outside of the market, or you know, just voluntary transactions, uh, to 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 ensure that that type of thing doesn't happen. Um, I think the ANCAPs um, would get the most attention in the party. Yeah. Um, Spike Cohen, one of them, like he was just a terrible, terrible candidate, Spike Cohen. But. Um, I think it's just naive. It's just a, it's just a meme. So uh, my, my belief that is that there should be a state, uh, but the state should, should serve as a very limited one that serves as a referee to uphold the rights and freedoms of the individual. Now, yeah, see, I fully agree with that. As like, I consider myself, I'm all over the place, man, but right. sometimes I consider myself like a small R Republican on issues like that. I do <laughs> think there is like an obligation by the government to protect individuals freedoms at the same time i do understand that um and you know you'll probably agree with me to some extent some people exercising their quote-unquote freedom ends up becoming a danger to society sure so i think we probably have different ways of dealing with that but i don't know jake did you have anything you want to ask real quick before we keep going on this uh yeah sure i i, I guess i could dig in here i want to get I, you in here so yeah, let's let's get me in here, uh, Roger. Uh, thanks again for for coming on. Sure, so, man. like, I I like I, I like you casting aspersions upon ANCAPs, right, right, right from the beginning. And because uh, I guess that would be, I mean, normally I wait till the end of a conversation with a, a so-called libertarian to talk about this issue, but 
this time I want to kind of bring it up right from the beginning, which is um, with the idea of a free market. Mm -hmm. um, we, in terms of environmental issues sure. and in terms of indigenous rights issues, I, I guess, can you explain to me your idea of, of property rights when it comes to uh, assets like rivers and natural elements that really, sh in my opinion, shouldn't be owned by anyone. But are, do, you, do you feel like natural resources should be able to be privatized? I, I, I think so, but here, here's the thing. Um, and I talked about this on our debate. Um, what separates me from an anarchist is this problem of what I call existential necessity. So there are, there are certain situations where exist in order for us to exist, in order for us to continue to live as a species, um, we have to forgo some type of freedom. Um, I'll, I'll use the example of the private ownership of nuclear weapons. That's something um, people would say, well, you're a libertarian, do you believe people should have chemical weapons? Uh, Murray Rothbard gave an interesting example to that. If you use a chemical device or a nuclear weapon, you can't ensure that that weapon is not going to harm large amounts of innocent people, right? So it, you can't use that weapon realistically just against your aggressor. Right, so, but I'm not, I'm not talking about nuclear weapons. I'm well, talking I, I, about I, natural right, resources. Right, I, I, want, I want to bring it to that because I think the principle is going to translate here. So okay. there, there, there comes this point where your action is going to necessarily harm large amounts of people who had nothing to do with your situation, right? So if I detonate the nuclear device, large amounts of people are going to be injured or, or wounded who had nothing to do with my life. In the same sense, in an, in an environmental capacity, um, if I just continuously frack or do, do something to, you know, in that sense, and it, it leads to the destruction of the environment in the same sense that it's going to harm large amounts of people who had no ability to consent uh, to that type of transaction, I, I think you have a non-aggression principle violation. Basically. Sure. Okay. Great. Okay. You know, so yeah. I, I think the the issues are related. So there's existential necessity um, that does require some sort of regulation. Now, I will say that, in my opinion, it's actually capitalist countries that do a great job of environmental protection compared to like the USSR. Oh, um, there, there's entire lakes in the Urals that don't even exist anymore. Um, you know, China's got a lot of smog. I mean, we, we can do a lot better, but I think there are free market incentives to use solar power, to use wind power. Nuclear um, so, power. All right, but, but yeah, exactly. so, so let me ask you, and, and I, I uh, honestly, I, I, I like that you invoke the, the non-aggression principle sure. in, in, in regards to environmental um, standards. But I, I guess it still comes back to my original question, which is, do you not view the privatization of a river used by an ind indigenous tribe? Is, okay. is, is, that, is that not an aggression upon those people? Now that's a sex. So we're gonna now move from environmentalism specifically into indigenous rights. So let me preface this, you know, uh, I'm a white man from New, New England. I don't understand that experience. So I'm speaking as an outsider here. Um, but my outside perspective of that is that this land originally it belongs to indigenous people you know my ancestors were settlers we were colonizers so you know that's that's kind of how does the non-aggression principle work out in that situation so um basically we have a very tricky situation where 
if I recognize the original land claim of the indigenous people, you have to dispossess millions of human beings. So again, we have the situation, I think, of existential necessity where we, we have to work together. We have to realize, listen, there are lots of people from all over the world. They live here. We, we've got to find a way to live together. At the current situation, indigenous people do have access. I think they should have way more sovereignty than they do now. Um, they have a terrible deal, uh, but they, they own particular land. You know, they have these reservations and those rights need to be protected. So we'll talk about like the Keystone Pipeline. There, yeah, there's great economic benefit to that. But if that's going to cause lots of harm to people on indigenous land who don't consent to it, who don't want it, then their, their rights should be, be respected. So you need, to, you need to figure out a way to operate in the market without harming lots of people who don't have, who can't get out of harm's way. So, so I don't is, know is, is that the market, what you're talking about. Go ahead. Is, is the market not uh, predicated then on aggression? It, it, it is. No, no, the market is aggression. The, the market is violence in another means. So it absolutely is aggression, but we're taking aggression out of our, our, the primal origin and we're using it in the market. So it's a great place to use aggression. So that, that's a great question. I guess uh, I just don't see how that's not a complete contradiction. Let, let me the explain. Enti the entire yeah. libertarian sure. philosophy. So let me, let me, get, let me explain. So in, in primitively, if you have a, a resource or something that I want, um, I'm just going to use violence to take it from you, okay? And that's obviously not civilization. And what I would argue Western civilization is founded upon is the acquiring of resources and services, not from force, but from mutual benefit. And we call that the economy. And as that process develops, we have you know, civilization. So um, it's not that there isn't aggression in a different sense. It's not that there isn't competition or that people aren't exerting power it's just that they're now doing it in the market, which is a mutually beneficial way, as opposed to just with violence, which is, you know, beneficial in only one sense or in one direction. But the entire market is based upon the violent taking of the assets from the indigenous culture. In what sense? What are you talking about in what sense? It's, ob it's obvious that... that I guess, so are you saying that indigenous people can't have a market? No. Let me repeat the question just to make sure I understood it. No, no, but let me clarify. Okay. The, the free market is based on the government's coercion of the indigenous, the, the free market depends upon mm -hmm. the very government that it casts aspersions upon seizing that property over, from from past land disputes and violations of treaties and violent taking of the land. So the private companies, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, what have you, that are benefiting and making money off of it are, are, apps, are partaking in the violent coercion by the government of these resources. I guess I just don't follow. I mean, I see the atrocities that happen with the indigenous people as a problem of the state. I mean, it's a problem from our government. Uh, Jackson's Trail of Tears, all of that type of thing was done with, with state violence. And I think a second thing, I mean, if you're talking about a market, I mean, I don't see why indigenous, like you're saying the, the market is predicated upon the exploitation of indigenous people. I mean, the market is just individuals exchanging things. That's what a market is. Well, no, the market's yeah. predicated on the uh, exploitation of all of us. 
<laughs> I, I guess so like if if a market and we have a different I guess maybe a different definition of finding of the market this is, this is my lens I'm looking through yeah no yeah and, and again like let's get down to those foundational principles because like you said in our debate we had different ideas of morality so we might have a different idea of you know what the market is so you know my, my idea of a market is you have something I want I have something or a service that you want so instead of using force, we just enrich each other's lives and increase the, the overall happiness. I don't see how that is predicated on any kind of oppression. It's the exact because, opposite. Because for, force was used, though. How was force used in that interaction? Like force, if, force if I buy something, in the violent, the violent taking of land from by the state, right? Culture. By the yeah, government. by the state. Yeah, so it's the state, state problem, right? not the market. It's the state. No, 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 but 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 see, that's a cop out because you're ah. you're saying that the state is the regulator. So when the state does wrong, you're saying, oh, it's the state's fault. But now, when the private market uh, benefits from the spoils of that exploitation, now you're saying, oh, well, that's just the government that did that. That that's that that's an extreme double standard. I don't see how you don't see that. No, I don't see it at all. I mean, you know, we're libertarians. We 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 hate our government, and <laughs> we hate the uh, the association has with lots of companies. We think the the problem with a lot of these monopolies and these private powers comes from the state. It comes from you know regulation. We think regulation causes a lot of these problems. Right, but no, no, it, it, I, I want I want to be able to finish. I want to be able to finish. Uh, so in in our understanding of basically deregulating the government, delimiting delimiting the federal government. Uh, I would never want the federal government to have ever had the power that it had to harm the indigenous people. So, I mean, and, and again, like, okay, well, let's say that it's a government or corporation that hurt, I, again, I mean, it literally was the government that caused these issues, but let's say there's a mixed corporation that's driving out indigenous people. If they're, if they're using violence in that sense, I mean, again, I'm not an anarchist. I think they should be punished. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't see where the, I, I don't see where the contradiction is. The thing is, is the, the the government did carry out those things in order mm. to increase profit and the production of the United States. But I, I this is interesting, and I Roger, you'll have to come back. But I want to get into something else we sure. talked about, uh, if that's okay with you, Jake. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, we um, you brought up monopolies in your right. last answer, and that's something I think. Uh, I think we have a different perspective on there because you're under the impression that in a less regulated market that, you know, monopolies wouldn't exist on the scale that they do now. Right. So I just, I have a hard time believing that. And, you know, you said this in our, in our debate too, that yes, local monopolies will develop when I use the example of like a regional grocery chain mm -hmm. or something. So the thing is, if there is still a state and there's also these growing, you know, centers of capital within, you know, within, say, a city, there's this growing center of capital. Mm -hmm. What's to stop them from buying influence with the state? What's to restrict the state from taking that influence? Because as much as, you know, I know like a lot of corruption comes from like the payoffs for Washington right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, I don't think that anything would really stop that. I don't think payoffs for politicians would stop that. I, it would stop under any sort of like limited government system. The you know the state will always find a way to cheat. 
So I don't know. What's your? Mm. Uh, it's 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 a, 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 a definitely a problem um, because when people have extreme amounts of capital, I mean that's what capital is. Capital is power. So I think the first thing to do is to drastically delimit the power of government, because if you can you know influence government, you know you you can do all sorts of things. I think the government has way too much power over our lives. So by gutting the government, you have less of an incentive. There's nothing really to get. While I'm not an anarchist. You know, I'm not really far from it. I mean, if, if the government is basically roads, uh, police, military, and that's essentially it, I might be missing something. I mean, I, I would even get rid of libraries, to be honest with you. Are there There's, laws? There, there, are, there are laws in the sense of like, you know, um, property rights and the non-aggression principle. Even still, even if we gut it to that level, there's still going to be an incentive for corruption. Um, I, may, go ahead. I mean, what's your ideal democracy like? Like, like I said, is it like a republic? I, uh, you know, a democracy. Like I a don't federation. Think, I, I, I would, I, I would, I would like to see a lot more decision making happen at the county or municipal level. I, I think our our government was never intended to be this large. Um, I think it, it was an expansionist policy to to grab power. It has no business being as large as, as it is. And the, the idea that, you know, millions of people are going to be able to decide together how they want to live, to me, it's, it's just ludicrous. So uh, I would like to see a federal ability to defend, you know, the, the, the integrity of the nation. But most decisions come at the county or municipal level. You know, so if you don't like your county, you know, if it's too left wing or it's too right wing, you can just go move with your people. People, freedom of association is a large thing. I don't okay. think these, like Texas has any ability, has any reason to you know create laws that people in Minnesota want nothing to do with. So I, th I think the, the our interconnectedness is a problem. So let's take it to a state level then. Okay. Um, what you know, you still have the the concept of taxes and the state providing some type of infrastructure and things right. like that, right? Now, right. um. A Walmart has, you know, offered to move into an economically depressed area. Mm -hmm. Well, I you'll say this is a positive because people will have jobs, but these will be jobs at lower wages than those people used to earn. But either way, this Walmart goes to move in at, at even a county level, and the county suddenly builds the infrastructure for this Walmart. And they build this infrastructure, you know, they give tax breaks for this thing to be created. And um, this thing moves in, it dominates the local market, smaller businesses are driven out. And when we debated, you said, mm. yes, this is a benefit for the industry, but our debate was what's better for the workers. And how do you, you know, at a local level, mm. it, this plays out as... These companies move in, even like the state grocery chain like Meyer here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. You know, these things move in and they depress wages for workers and they don't offer health care. They don't offer benefits. You know, these things aren't there. These people are and taking lower jobs than they had prior to this local monopoly or national monopoly moving into town. What's to stop that from happening again? I, I guess if if the issue is sort of the the government at whatever level, you know, whether it be federal, state, or county, sort of giving a uh, special courtesy 
to you, we'll say Walmart for moving and hey, we'll, we'll incentivize you to come to our area uh, by giving you a tax break. Yeah, I would see that as unethical. You know, I would see that as this merger, you know, basically this, this special provision given to a company. So, um, and, and maybe I misspoke in the last uh, discussion because I would agree with you there. I, I would think a free market entails an equal market in that sense. So I would say that's not equal for, for Walmart to receive some sort of tax benefit. So well, I think we agree on that part. Oh, go ahead. Even beyond the, just the tax benefit, I mean, they're yep. still relying on state-provided infrastructure, which is the state facilitating lowering the quality of life for the working class. Now, how does – now, explain, kind of define that concept like the um, the state providing the infrastructure. What do you mean by that? I mean, just the matter of the fact that, you know, the state is going to be – you know, states and companies are going to be building the fucking – usually these things are built with, like, massive roads around them. Things right. are built up around them, you know, and then part of that is developers, but a lot of the fucking infrastructure and the, you know, the utilities that go into these places are run by the state and these things are used by these companies right. that are, and, and they can use them. But mm. the thing is, it's important to remember that they're here using them to crush the competition. So in, in terms of competition and utilities, so um, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead. Go ahead. Let me clarify. I would yeah, say my state uh. wouldn't allow a deal. You know, if my ideal state wouldn't allow a deal like that to go forward, knowing it would be a net loss for the workers. Well, I mean, I guess in in my perspective, like if someone owned land and um, Walmart said, "Hey, we want to build a store. You know, can I buy the land from you to build the company?" then there wouldn't be any state involvement. You know what I mean? It would just be between the, the buyer and the seller. Right. In terms of the utilities, because I see where you're coming from, because right now, you know, it's public. Uh, I, I would like to see, you know, more competition in utilities, you know, giving people access to different types of companies and, and competition. Give me so more I, than three cable networks, you motherfuckers. <laughs> um, in terms of um, competition... You know, no one, it's not cool to like Walmart for any, any means, but you know, I've worked with a lot of these small independent grocery stores and, you know, they're, they're struggling to get by. They don't always offer the best benefits. I mean, it, it, it's, it's romantic, the individual mom and pop shop, but a lot of these places are dirty. A lot of these places don't offer good services and, you know, Walmart's just, you know, you know, cleaner. So no, I not, think that, I think I'm not that shedding any tears for the petty bourgeoisie. I don't care. Right, right. I, if you're unskilled, that sucks. And I think that the best, you know, the, if you're unskilled, the market gives you these jobs so you can survive. And I think that it should provide an incentive for you to become skilled or to, you know, find another way to, to make income. And I think regulation keeps okay. poor people down because you, you can't just go out and like a, a buddy of mine, um, he, he got busted for marijuana of all things i mean i live in maine where it's it's i can go down the store and buy it it's insane that that, that puts you in prison but um he he has that on his record can't get a job it's technically illegal for him to do his landscaping business you know i mean he just go but he he has to do what he has to do so he does a landscaping business for cash and i think that's probably way more empowering than him running a register at like you know ace hardware or something so i I think deregulating and let people you know just provide service voluntarily 
can give them better money, but even if it's less money, it's going to probably just be happier. Okay. So, okay. So say I let the Walmart move in. Um, Are my workers free to associate themselves into a union? That's a great question. They're voluntary. Exactly. Because a lot of libertarians are very anti-union, but that's that's basically in the market's a two-way street. It's not just about the employer and libertarians do that. They like fetishize the employer, but no, the employee absolutely has the right to band together with other people and just argue their value in the market. Hey, we're, we're providing you X amount. We want, we want X, Y, and Z. I don't like the idea of a union preventing other people from, from getting the position. Um, I don't like that. Yeah. Like if you're going to, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of being a little using hyperbole, but you know, beating someone up for taking your job or something, but I absolutely people voluntarily join together to negotiate their wages. Yeah, absolutely. I see nothing wrong with that. The thing is to me with a closed shop is, you know, you're going into a closed shop, you're voluntary on your standards, you're voluntarily, you know, applying at a closed shop. If you don't want to join the union, don't apply at the closed shop. Now that might be a term that's not used. In my, can you define a closed shop? A closed shop is a is a, a strictly union shop. No non-union labor is allowed to work on site. That that would be something I I, I wouldn't like that idea. And the reason being, let's say, um, I mean, this well, doesn't exist gonna... anymore. So you won. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that idea. I mean. I'm used to a particular amount. I mean, it is what it is. If I went back to like $10 an hour, I, it, would, it, would, it would crush me. There are other people who that amount of purchasing power is incredible for them. And there are people I know who maybe come here from other countries and they, they send that back to their families and it puts them through, through college. It puts them through, gets them healthcare. It, it gives them a good life. So I think to deny something that's very beneficial to one person because it's not enough for another um, through force, I, I don't think is ethical, but banding together, especially in trades, because there's, there's a much l- less amount of people who are, who are skilled in that, uh, banding together to negotiate your wages is absolutely fine and uh, should happen. All right. I'm going to ask one last question. I want Jake get back in here, but um, okay. So you, you know, you admit like, Hey, if I'm dumping, you know, 10 tons a day of chicken shit in a river, you know, upstream from where people drink. That's a, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a violation of people's right to basically life, you know, under the classically liberal system, right? Yes, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the thing is, when it, on my side, I see taking that out to its logic, I think it's its logical extent that Things like providing you uh, life-saving health care, mm-hmm. uh, a quality of life, uh, ensuring you're not homeless. I think those, and this is you know my French side, but that mm-hmm. I think those are part of your inalienable right to life. And if you want to talk about the pursuit of happiness, uh, happiness cannot be pursued when a man works 18 hours a day. You know, sure. Uh, would you agree with you know? Would you agree with that to some extent? I, I think with the um the working, I mean, I no, I, I would say <laughs> yeah, that yeah, you don't want to give us I, anything. I got no, it. <laughs> I, I don't. I I don't think that you have a right. I mean, you have a right for 
someone else not to impose, you know, their, you know, their actions on you negatively in the environmental sense, but going into taking that logic into like healthcare, just to kind of give it a name, you don't have a right to someone's benefit or service. Um, and obviously healthcare is a very valuable service. So there's going to be a cost associated, but I think that deregulation. It's a service of, that ensures your life. Your life is insured by healthcare, having access to healthcare. I mean, every, everyone is going, you don't have a right to not die. I mean, nationalize all, it and going, everyone should be guaranteed a right. To die. I, 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 I disagree with that. I mean, I, I don't think that, yeah. I, I, I don't think it leads to, you know, good quality care, but that's not even the point. The point is, I don't think you should have a system where people are entitled to the, the product or service of another. And yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I see that as a, a violation of rights in the market, but I, I think that deregulating it, you know, will lead to lower prices. If someone can provide healthcare I at a lower cost, I, I think they'll just be able to do that. I think there are plenty of nationalized healthcare systems that work fairly well. That would beg to differ, but yeah, we'll move on. Jake, sure. you want to come yeah, back okay. in here? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's some uh, pretty juicy stuff in there it's uh that that's that's a, a great issue i i i would love to delve into it more but i, I was actually going to try and hedge a little bit into uh, a different issue and in, roger at the beginning you were you mentioned that you're you know a free speech um advocate mm -hmm. um which uh, of course uh i i identify a lot with many uh, civil libertarian arguments, for example, you know, a lot, a lot of the arguments that, you know, Glenn Greenwald makes, I think, are, are, are pretty solid. But I do think we're entering a stage where this, this issue has is, is, uh, entered a, an interesting new mm -hmm. um, age when you talk about uh, big tech, mm -hmm and, and uh, social media, for example. So I, I wanted to get your take on a, a lot of the rhetoric going around, um, uh, not, not just conservative circles and not even just libertarian circles, certainly like far left circles when, when it comes to kind of algorithmic uh, deplatforming and, and, mm -hmm. and so-called censorship. So I wanted to get your take on on what what you think about that. Like, are are you part of the camp that believes that um, uh, social media should not be able to uh, deplatform people uh, that that they view as violating their terms of service? Okay. So my that that's you're right. That is probably one of the biggest issues uh, going around right now. Um, my, my, my take on that is these are, these should have been private companies. Now we all know that Facebook and I think some, I think Google as well. I believe someone fact checked me on this, but I believe they were seeded with, uh, with government money. Yeah. Um, so that creates a, a huge sticky situation there. Uh, probably as a spy operation, if I can be a bit conspiratorial, but Google um, Go Google ahead. was an internal search engine for uh, the United States government. That's prior insane. To, prior well, to going all, online. All, all of the 
tech companies have major contracts. Right, that, correct. Right. When Amazon is storing a good chunk of like the NSA's data. Yeah, that's insane. That's terrible. Um, but I, I, I apologize for, for going a little off topic. I, I believe that these understanding that a company is private, and obviously there are situations where it becomes more tricky, um, but understand that a social media company is private. Um, they have the right to determine who gets to speak on their platform. If something's hate speech, you know, they have the right to take that off and they get the, have the right to determine what is or is not that. So I disagree with the conservative, you know, arguing, well, I have a right to be on Facebook. You, you don't. However, the conservative or whoever, it doesn't matter, has a right to go onto an alternative platform. And what I'm seeing, I'm seeing um, people sort of kind of playing this game of whack-a-mole, trying to um, shut down these smaller sites. Parler, of course, one of them. Gab was another one. Now, eventually what's going to happen, and this is the situation with Gab, they'll just be able to build their own infrastructure. I mean, it, I, I'm not smart enough to know um, how to build a website of that capacity, but as I understand it, they no longer run off GoDaddy or Amazon. They have their own infrastructure, so they, they can't be shut down in that sense. So again, I think the market will just provide as people want, you know, a more free speech alternative. So the conservative is wrong. They don't have a right to the platform. However, again, it's the market speaking. If you don't like what you're seeing on Facebook, if you're a Facebook user and you don't like, hey, I don't like that you banned this person. I don't like that you shut it down. By all means, you should be very vocal about it. You know what I mean? Because that's, again, using your collective um, power sure. as the purchaser to maybe influence the product. So I think that's fine. So it's fine that they're whining about it because that's just them expressing their opinion. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, uh, you don't have a right to use the service in my opinion. Okay, well that, you know, I, I yeah. I mean, that that's a that's a prin principled stance. I, I, I respect that because yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of libertarians I know who, who seemingly all of a sudden seem to be backtracking and saying, no, the government should regulate right. tech, well, which, uh, as I'm sure you know, seems a bit, a bit hypocritical, but it sounds like you're not, you're not going down that path. Exactly. Roger and I both know Nick, our previous guest, and Nick's uh, basic policy proposal was like, I want Ted Cruz to be the mod. <laughs> you know, so I want- would say that. Yeah, so, well, he's- so He's so like, yeah, I'd like Ted Cruz to write a free speech bill for Facebook, basically, you know, so like, yeah, I just want different mods. You right, know. exactly. So let, let, let me push. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a, a different issue, but it, it's sort of an easy lateral move here. But in terms of, you know, right now, as, as a country, we're kind of quagmired in, in this pandemic, uh, COVID 19 um which you know obviously there's a lot of conspiracy theories about it um but another kind of common uh, uh i don't even want to identify it with a certain ideology but mm -hmm. uh with with regards to uh wearing a mask how, mm -hmm. how do you how, how do you stand on that <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm the I'm the first apostle of a church called the Church of the Human Face. Um, so maybe that that kind of puts us in a, a direct. I, I don't believe the government uh, should be able to mandate the requirement of a of of a mask. 
Um, I, you know, again, maybe I'm not smart enough and haven't read all the literature. From my understanding, it's a largely asymptomatic disease. It's unfortunate that anyone ever, ever dies from any disease. That's not, you know, I, I hate to, to be callous about that, but that's, that's, again, it's existential necessity. It's going to happen. Older people are going to die. Younger people are going to die from diseases. But I, I, I don't think that the government has should have the power to shut down religious services, to you know, shut down businesses, destroy businesses, destroy industries. I mean, the most incredible transfer of power from the middle class to the one percent, in my opinion, has happened because of this. Whether I'm conspiratorial or not, no, in my true. opinion, well, that's I'll what happened. That. So I don't. I think that's an issue of personal responsibility. Um, it's again, like it, it's a shitty situation. COVID sucks. The, the fact that anyone's going to die, but you, you have to take, you have to, we, we have to become aware of our mortality and um, take matters into our own hands to, to protect ourselves. Ooh, that's right, well, let, let, let's, let's, let, well, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'll, I'll come back sure. to this, this idea of, of uh, guaranteed mortality in the free market. But first, I mean, what, uh, let's say, I mean, we're lucky that with that COVID has only a 1% mortality rate, which mm. um, is still pretty high. I mean, obviously if, 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 if you let this run rampant through the country, um, 1% of 360 million is, uh, you know, pretty high. <laughs> like we're, you know, we're, we're, so if we don't do anything, um, we're looking at a pretty grisly thing that I, I, I think goes beyond just a normal uh, national death toll per year. But so my question is, what, what is the free market response to, uh, let's say this thing was even worse. Let's hmm. say it had a 10% mortality rate. What would be the free market response to this? If, if you're, if without the incentivization of profit, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm assuming you believe that that would be the answer. That the the the, the market, the, the companies would want to make a profit off of it. But without a guaranteed profit, how would the free market respond to? a pandemic that could potentially kill hundreds of millions of people? That's, that's a good question uh, because you're right. Traditionally, you know, the answer is, you know, incentive and, you know, the libertarian understands everything uh, in dollars and cents, but an aspect of uh, libertarian philosophy and um, definitely, you know, classical liberal philosophy is that value itself is subjective. So it can transcend the monetary you know, some people may be willing to do something that doesn't make them as much money, but provides some other benefit. And I think we see this often in charity. You know, someone may, may subjectively deem a cause worthy and just enjoy it and just want, want to do art. You know, these types of things are subjective and they, they, have, they have real value, even though it's not monetary. So I think that there will be people who will only see things through dollars and cents, but value being subjective, I do think there'll be people who will see, who will be willing to, you know, donate for causes or to transition their industry into something that helps their community uh, simply out of, you know, the, the value of it. Um, so I, I think that 
there is that aspect of the equation. I think sometimes people do the right thing. And, you know, if we can psychoanalyze it, because that kind of goes against what I said in the beginning, where my anthropology is that people are self-interested. I, I do believe that, but there is a sense of self-esteem that comes from helping other people. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's an evolutionary mechanism. Right. So, right. so I, I think that uh, subjective, that value is sub subjective, and some people will just do the right thing if it gets to that point. I can is, that, you... is that enough, though, to keep the human race running? I mean, it, it, and the reason I ask is because, uh, you know, for example, I, kind of a random uh, extrapolation of thought here, but I mean, what if a giant asteroid, what if an asteroid <laughs> that were like the size of a moon or, mm. or, or something that would destroy the earth was headed our way. I mean, Elon do, would blow it up. I mean, do, <laughs> do, do you really think that the free market alone would be able to handle something like that? Or is, is there not a point in which you absolutely have to have, and look, yeah. and, and I should do have mentioned just... this from the beginning. I, I, I am a fan of decentralization when it comes to some things, for example, I'm a, I'm a big crypto in, investor. Sure. Like I, 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 I do have a place in my heart for decentralization, but in certain cases, is there not absolutely a need for a centralized response to certain disasters? I would say yes. In, in terms of existential threats, kind of going back to, you know, my, my challenge to the anarchists, that there are certain situations where it's existentially necessary uh, to band together. And I think that's why you know, I believe in a military. You know, if, uh, if you want to preserve freedom and someone's stronger than you wants to invade and take it, you know, you're, you're, all your philosophy went to hell. It's about, you know, might is right at that point. So in, in your example, I mean, I want to look at it specifically by example. So in your example of the meteor, um, I would say there's an existential crisis there. You know, if we don't deal with that, everyone's going to be dead and you won't have any freedom or any luxuries because you'll be dead. So I think in that situation, there may be an argument, but I don't think you'll have to coerce a lot of people to, to do something like that. If there is this asteroid coming to destroy the planet, everyone's going to die. I mean, again, it's in everyone's interest, self-preservation in my philosophy being the highest goal. You know, they're, they're going to want to chip in and band together uh, to, to solve that threat. So uh, to answer your question, yes, there are, are certainly existential threats that need to be addressed collectively. Right. And that's why I'm not an anarchist. Is that not a scalable situation, though? I mean, when you talk about everything, everyone, yes, everyone is threatened then. Right. But does that not pertain to what you're talking about? You, you seem to be saying that it's not an existential situation if, hey. only, if only certain demographics are targeted, for example, old people are people with, with pre-existing conditions or immunodeficiency things. I, I, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't see, it, it feels like there's a value, a, a value judgment mm -hmm. there about whose life is, is valuable to a certain extent. I want to just- I, I, J, Jim, you're chomping at the bit to talk, go ahead. Yeah, I, no, I am. Cause I just want to take a second and I want to give like some credit to I guess, a, a non-state movement. And I want to say that there's two responses that that prove that both of our ideologies work in certain situations. Um, 
during Hurricane Katrina, you know, it was the Mormons who were first on Mm -hmm. site. Mm -hmm. And FEMA, you know, studied Mormon logistics to figure that out. Now, at the same time, the Cubans had doctors ready to go and tons of emergency equipment to ship to a country that fucking hates them. Mm -hmm. But they were ready to do it. And the Bush administration, you know, obviously never could have allowed that. But both of these systems were ready to respond. And they and I told you I'm more of like an NEP, like Leninist type, where it's like some type of business can exist and i'm also a christian so a church can fucking exist in my mind i don't care you know right but there i just want to put it out there for both of you guys that there are examples of both of these systems that we're advocating working on some like less like globally existential scale i i, I like um i like that you, you're you're right you know um the Mormons did some interesting work. I kind of also to take that principle to healthcare. The Amish have something really interesting because Pulling teeth with pliers. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't want to go to an Amish doctor. Uh, however, they do have this system where they they sell, you know, and they. I mean, there's different Amish communities, but some of them are, are Mennonites as well. Will they're very communal, you know, in in their their way of thinking about things, and this they is, have this yeah. this type of like outside of government healthcare you know, universal. So I, I think you can find again, um, for the healthcare situation, I think you can find people who are willing to do that. Like if people in, in your, in your county, you know, would they be willing to, to give some money for these types of services? I, I think people, people would, and, and they'll benefit just as much from that, but, um, to use oh. force to accomplish that end, I don't think is necessary. So I, I think there can be, um, and that kind of is also similar to my answer about unions, like collective and libertarians. If, if people work together, that's somehow bad. No, I mean, working together is how we survive. So there isn't a problem with communal cooperation just as long as it's voluntary, if possible. I won't. Well, I'll never take an example from the Amish because yeah. Luther was a mistake. The Anabaptists are weird and they shouldn't be allowed here. And but I don't Jim, care. I, I can mean, say that because they won't hear it, Jake. <laughs> what the amish won't hear what i said about them it's fine okay well i mean i i mean the whole idea of a christian response i mean for me it's strange i mean it, this is an ideology that believes that you know uh billions and billions of people are going to burn in hell forever <clears throat> Um, but... <laughs> for, for, for not believing a certain thing. So I'm not sure that's the, the template we should be using to gauge a moral response no. to a deadly situation. But You're upsetting um, me. To, to, to return back to my original yeah. question, which is that the, the people who are dying from this uh, first of all, it's not it's not just old people, and it's it's right. not it's not just people with um, compromised immune systems. There's a there's a lot of people dying, and by by February, the 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 analysis is that we're going to be at about a half a million uh, people dead, and I I I don't 
think that it this is just a normal thing and 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 right from the beginning people who were skeptical skeptical of covid were saying uh no one's gonna die and then it was like well it's only gonna be a few thousand and then it's only gonna be ten thousand and it's just kept going up and up and up and i feel like this is a serious thing and i i guess i just don't understand why obviously this is a different situation than mm -hmm. a, a meteor hitting the earth. I, right. I, I put that out as a, as an extreme example mm -hmm. of when the government, when we would absolutely need a centralized authority running things. But like I said, I feel like this is a scalable situation in which we do need the government involved because clearly the free market alone is not going to solve this. It, it, if, if it were going to solve it, it would have, but it hasn't. Well, I mean, my, my counter to that would be, I mean, the, the lockdowns haven't so solved it either. I mean, you look at Australia and in the UK, I mean, with, with this very interventionist stance and, you know, they're, they're still having issues there. I mean, it's, it's a nasty situation. I, I think there's, no, there's their, a lot their of death count is, their death count is way lower. We, we have the most massive death count by, by any stretch. And I mean, well, it's, I mean it's, it's not even comparable. It's not even a, a comparable situation. We, we, have, we have the biggest death count in the world. Well, I mean, I think part of that is also the size of population, too. I mean, we're naturally going to have more people die uh, because there's, there's more people here. You know, so that Wuhan. number's going to be different. Oh, go ahead. Look at Wuhan. That, no. That's I don't know. Yeah, state the population, yeah, exactly. I don't the know if I trust is... those numbers, though. I mean, do you believe the CCCP? Like, I don't, I don't trust that. It, India. Yes. India. Okay. Uh, do you not trust <laughs> it, India either? Do you, I mean... Do you not trust Brazil? Let me let me, then, let me get some of these ideas out here to, just to answer. So um, I, I think one thing that comes out, again, going back to the principle of value is subjective. If someone wants to take that risk into their own hands, you know, if they don't believe it or if they're not concerned, you know, I, I think I think that's their right. So I don't think they should lose the right to maybe bodily autonomy with the vaccine, um, having to wear certain types of you know that vaccine in, in, in you know clothing or losing access to religious services i don't think they should have to lose those rights if they don't want to if you want to take measures to protect yourself um i think that's i think that's fine so i i don't see it legitimate for the government to intervene but, and but strict roger, those go ahead but roger if 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 these people's actions are endangering other people how is that not a, a violation of the non-aggression principle. If if people are infecting other people through their actions, how how is that not a violation of of, of NAP? Yeah. So I mean, there's there's always been communicable communicable and transmittable diseases. You know what I mean? So, I mean, is the only way to solve this problem just to have everyone constantly be in bubble suits, no human interaction, no hugs, everyone's in a room, you know, you could work on your computer and sleep in your bed. And that way we can ensure that no one ever has any chance of ever getting a disease. I mean, diseases are an unfortunate and tragic part of our existence, but there is an unfortunate and tragic aspect embedded into our existence. And we, we have to take those types of risks. I think there are, you know, 
many options for people to take preventative measures. I think that um, you know people can people people want to isolate. They can certainly do that. Um, but again, we we can't live in a situation where we're going to rely on a state to solve a problem like disease. Like it just can't happen. We, most we can't diseases are, are are contained. Like the we we have we have the most virulent diseases contained for through through vaccines and through for example HIV. Like right. it's 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 illegal to knowingly sleep with someone when you're infected with HIV and to not tell them. Right. That, that, that's a federal law. Yeah, I'm you, fine with that. Or, or you're, you're fine with that. But, but how, so then how, how was that not the same thing of, of, of unwittingly passing on a virus simply because sure. you won't wear a mask during a specific period of time? This is not, this is not a permanent thing. Roger, this, we're in a very specific period of time here. Uh, did you want to jump in, James? Yeah, Boyd? I just want to say, I'd say that you, you should look to places like Vietnam as far as like a massive state mobilization to actually combat the disease. I think that the free market here is just fucking botched it every step of the way. I, I think in terms of the HIV example, it's different because it's, hey, I, I know I have HIV. I'm going to sleep with you knowing it's going to give it to you. And I'm not going to tell you so you can make that choice. You know, I think, I think that's a violation. If someone, and I, I, maybe I just don't know the law. If someone doesn't know they have HIV and they have sex with someone, I don't think there was an act of aggression committed there. It was out of ignorance. Um, so I believe the law states, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I just don't know the law. But I believe the law states that it's if you know you have HIV and you just don't sure. disclose that. Yeah. So with with COVID, I mean, it's if if you know you have COVID, um, and and again, like 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 okay, so the HIV example, that's a very specific thing. It's like I'm going to have sex with you. I'm going to put and or receive body parts. Like it, it's very intentional. Going to like the grocery store or walking by each other, uh, you know, on, on the street, it's, it's completely non-intentional. In, yeah, in but, that, is that, that but, but, but doesn't the grocery store, ha as a private company, have the ability to make that regulation as part yes, of their store? absolutely they do. It's a private property issue. So sure. they could say, listen, if you want to come into this store, you wear a mask because I value the community and I'm convinced that you know, this is an issue. So ab absolutely. So again, kind of going back to the libertarians complaining about or conservatives in general on social media, that shows a lack of understanding on their part of private property rights. If a store or a chain uh, decides you can't come in here without a mask, that's absolutely their right. And it okay. should be respected. All right. All right. I think we're probably about reaching our limit here. Um, I do want to ask like one question just for myself uh what the fuck is a libertarian socialist uh so some people say it's a meme um but the libertarian socialist community if you look at guys like uh like vermin um who's uh, actually very intelligent uh james weeks uh people of that nature their their meme you, you probably heard of like uh, taxation is theft well, well they say rent is theft you know, if, if the That's landlord true. class is, is, you know, you know, owning, you're getting property, you're getting taxes outside of work. So they, they see that, um, 
um, things should be decentralized, but the only way to truly decentralize things is to abolish private property. And I guess, and I, I'm speaking as an outsider here, I guess they have an understanding of personal property, which is like things right. that you can actually use. Those are it, your, yeah. That relates to like your personal effects. Like, you know, if you have a TV, that's your right. personal property. Right. So they, they believe in abolishing uh, private property. Like, like you, you, I'm not educating you, like a mine, like a mine or something to that effect. So they, they right. agree with the decentralization. You know, everybody should be able to have guns, sleep where you want, no government. Um, but they see, in their opinion, capitalism as a type of government, you know, private property as a type of state, and that that too should be decentralized. And so why are they in your party? Uh, probably... I mean, they, they want it. They want to subvert it, you know, okay. and I, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, no offense, but subvert what? <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, James Weeks and a lot of these guys, I mean, they say a lot of stuff that I agree with. Like, yeah, we should work to decriminalize, you know, a lot of sex, uh, you know, sex work. We should try to decriminalize, um, you know, drugs and, and things of this nature. Yeah. So we, we agree on a lot. It's just when it comes down to economics that sometimes we disagree. See, one thing I have always with libertarians is I think the state should issue you a gun at 18. <laughs> and most awesome. of you guys get on board for that. But I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, Jake? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, All and right. Ro Roger, thanks so much for coming on, man. Like, yeah. You, you've been an ex excellent uh guess and uh, i i appreciate you taking some uh you know intense questions from sure. both me and jim but i mean great great conversation man i really appreciate it and again just uh roger is the host of the echo chamber podcast do you want to tell people where they can find you real quick yeah sure uh echo chamber podcast um we air on fridays 9 30 p.m eastern standard um you can find us on you know youtube me we at echo chamber podcast uh facebook at echo chamber program and uh one one uh, mechanism i find that's helpful because i let people know whenever i go live is telegram it's an encrypted free app so just go to t.me forward slash echo chamber podcast and you can get uh you know updates on whatever we're doing there yeah i uh, likewise i had fun this was a lot of fun you know, hopefully, you know, we get to communicate again sometime in the future because the perspectives are so different. So that makes it really interesting. So, yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, I definitely think we will, man. So thank you for joining us. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk in the future, I'm sure. All right, All guys, right. have a good one. Have a good night, man. See ya. All right. better cut that out all right uh all right so we're back from pissing and uh that was that was fun man that that um good job booking roger that was an interesting conversation man
He's fucking more tolerable than some of the people we've had on, eh? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that, that he was an example of that. That was a, a, a good, good faith, good faith conversation. I mean, he, we, we disagree on, on multiple subjects. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't super satisfied with his ultimate answer when it comes to, uh, uh, natural resources and the privatization thereof, but uh, he he uh, he's arguing from a place of good faith, I believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I wanted to have him on because, like I said, the you know the first time I talked to him, we were on Milo, and Milo is just fucking shitting on him. <laughs> um, I seriously cannot believe you guys were on Milo. And yeah, he. You know, he was reaching on that show, like me and him, you know, he and I, whatever. We agreed on several points, but Milo kind of just like blew over him. You know what I mean? He, he was Milo. Yeah. Um, so so w- w- he, he said that Milo like uh, dominated him or something. Well, what did he mean by oh, that? Oh, he was just a, like I said, I, I expected Milo to be a bigger dick to me, but he like hates libertarians, I guess. <laughs> He, call, I, yeah. he calls I, I, them I, cowards yeah. because, like, they have no, they have no grasp of, you know, what I agree with, I don't agree with Milo, but what Milo understands about politics is it's about one side of a class struggle having power. You know what I mean? Right. Milo gets that. And Milo thinks libertarians because they are not, they're inherently not about grabbing power from the state like that, that he thinks they're useless essentially. Right. Cause they have no way to exert the dominance of capitalism just by running around naked on stage and running for offices in New Hampshire. Right. <laughs> because my, I mean, Milo is essentially an authoritarian. I mean, he, he believes he, he want, he's a fascist. He, yeah, he, he, he gets, you know, he gets it. It's about power. He's a broke, he's a, he's a broke fascist that got broke by the very system that he was espousing. But yeah, he's, um, he understands that politics is, you know, it's a kind of battle of wills thing and it's about who has power, you know? Yeah. I, I, I just don't like the words Milo and understands being, in the same sentence. Well, that, but that's it. That's what it is. It, you know, it, why won't you vote for Donald Trump? You understand that he's inherently out to crush people you know and you and people you right. like. Right. Right? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Milo sure. understands yeah. that. He understands that, yes, we want to exert our authority. And he understands that if I got my way, I would exert my authority back on him. Right, just... Please, enough with the Milo understands. I get it. I get it. I get it. I know. Well, it's a battle for power, buddy. It sucks. I know. And and that's you know, we're yeah, Jim, we're we're about to enter kind of a new phase of our show here. It's gonna be interesting because now we're you know, we're we're not gonna have to focus so much time on on you know, I mean we're still gonna be discussing Trump's white nationalist cult and QAnon and whatnot, but yeah, we're following Q, buddy. But but oh, we absolutely <laughs> are, man. But but I I think yeah, we're gonna be able to 
hedge a little bit more toward the original, uh, you know, mission statement of our show, which was, you know, kind of discussing true tenets of leftism and yeah and whatnot. And I think that's I think that's going to be interesting. Right? I think the next few upcoming ones will be more leftist leaning guests. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Look for that. We've had our fun in the sewer here for the last three weeks yeah but yeah um, that's exactly the what we've been doing we 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 lost our ball down in a sewer and we had to climb down in there and we found some uh well we found some used condoms and uh yeah oh while we're here let's talk about our boy nick oh yeah (laughs) yeah so nick nick was our guest uh the proud boys guest which i frankly was trouble to have on sure enough he went on to be part of the white nationalist insurrection but now he is is he is he is he currently incarcerated he's out on bond he was charged with like unlawfully entering a building for now uh i'm pretty sure some branch of the federal government has his phone still and his passport was taken Oh, so, what a what a tragedy! I would say that, like, yeah, the uh, entering somewhere you're not supposed to be shit, like that. Yeah, who gives a fuck? But um, so Nick, taking Nick, the passport is a is a red flag for me. So Nick, who just doesn't he have a a newborn child? Yeah. Okay, so he has a newborn child, and he he put all of that up. He, he, he jeopardized oh, his, his entire future to uh, co- cosplay with, with some QAnon people in, uh, in, in a failed insurrection. What a, I, what a guy. What a I man. also learned he's appeared on Divorce Court with his current wife. So if you want to Google that, <laughs> I recommend it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a, are you serious? Yeah. That's not a joke. <laughs> Wow. There's a clip out there of him on divorce court with the woman he's currently married to. It's worth a watch if you want to go find it. <laughs> that is incredible. But yeah. hey, look, actions equal repercussions. Hey, don't post a picture of yourself blasting a sig in the fucking nation's capital. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's my number one lawyer tip. <laughs> but okay. yeah. It's been wild, and I think we'll get back together in the next couple of days, and we'll go over, you know, inauguration week's not over. Yeah, uh, frankly, uh, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to discuss tonight, but, uh, yeah, uh, we'll you have know. to make a list of stories for next time for you and yeah, I. But, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely appreciate anyone who's listening, and, uh, you know, we're still in the process of you know, ramping up our guest list and whatnot. But uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was really happy with that interview tonight. I, I, I think that was, I think that was uh, interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you, glad yeah. you brought him on. His show was pretty interesting too, but it was just like, it, it was like a proper debate format where it's like, oh, you have a 10 minute opening statement and then they get a 10 minute opening statement. And for me, that's not, you know, it's not my preferred method because it's like, I want to have a conversation where I can just throw shit in. 
Right. Because usually, you know, you get so bogged down in points, especially when someone's talking for 10 minutes straight. Right. Like, yeah. No, I don't like, yeah, that, that's, that's not how we roll. Jim. Yeah. I can't keep that shit straight to her, but it, I have to ask people to repeat questions all the time and I forget our guest names. So <laughs> you gotta see, I, I don't even remember. I don't, I don't even, I don't even <laughs> remember your name, dude. <sighs> is it, is it James or Jim? It's an actor. He was in Ace right. Ventura okay. 2. <laughs> right. That's the only good movie he was in, though. Don't look up any other ones. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. That did make for a good episode. It was a good debate. He's not, like, you know, a throw-you-out-of-the-helicopter libertarian. <laughs> so good for him. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he was he was consistent on, on a few subjects that that i was happy about i again I, I i still fervently disagree with him on yeah for on, sure on certain <laughs> things but uh but hey he was he was he was pretty open and he was he was willing to he was willing to uh take some shots and and uh roll with the punches so i i appreciate that I'll still say that Wuhan beat the virus, and I don't care what he says. That was a, a coordinated state response. Vietnam beat the virus with the coordinated state response. Cuba, Cuba's state-run healthcare system sent doctors all over the global south to help people during the virus. State systems did more. Period. Absolutely, dude. That's <laughs> not even in question. And quite frankly, I think we should have a whole show on that. Yeah, that's a, a, a whole topic of, you know, and uh, even anyone listening, go back to our archive when we talked about China in one of our earlier episodes, because that was at the height of the pan, you know, well, the earlier height, of, the last height of the pandemic. Fuck. All right. Well, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to be talking about the pandemic for a while because it's a major issue. Well, yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot of disinformation. And Bill Gates said it'll be here 100 years. <laughs> well uh i don't know about that but it's no you're ho- never hopefully. leaving home <laughs> you're never going to a dive bar again and if you smoke you can only do it in a closet in the basement <laughs> i'm having a real hard time with these new biden laws <laughs>